Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering you to help and love yourself. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. According to Sigmund Freud, there are three general sources for human suffering. These include our body, the external world, and our relations with other people. There are also various ways in which Freud points out humans distract themselves from suffering, which include deflection of pain and disappointment, substitutive satisfactions, and intoxicating substances. Freud arrived at the conclusion that human beings are unable to live a life fully in accordance to the pleasure principle. He saw an innate limit in overcoming suffering and pain. At best, we forge a compromise between the instincts and the pressures from society to conform and alter our desires for gratification. Freud believed humans give precedence to the reduction of suffering over the desire for happiness, which is why we are more inclined to live within a normal unhappiness. Although Buddhism is said to strongly influence Western psychology, Freud's psychoanalytic standpoint on suffering also contradicts it. In Buddhism, suffering does exist, has a cause, and a cause to bring about its end. The only human concepts, that of aging, sickness, and death, are uncertain and unavoidable. And the notion of suffering is to not convey a negative worldview, but rather a pragmatic perspective which sees the world as it is, but seeks to rectify it. Buddha himself went on a journey to search for the wisdom to free him from life's pain and suffering. Following his profound insight into the nature of the mind, reality, and human suffering, he began sharing his spiritual teachings to all those who would listen. The Four Noble Truths embrace the teachings of Buddha and are essentially a plan for dealing with the suffering humanity faces. The First Noble Truth identifies the presence of suffering. The Second Noble Truth seeks to determine the cause of suffering. The Third Noble Truth is the truth of the end of suffering, which suggests both the end of suffering in this physical life on earth or in the spiritual life through the achievement of nirvana. The fourth noble truth maps the method for attaining the end of suffering, which is known as the Noble Eightfold Path. This is Buddha's prescription for living and for freedom from mental afflictions and the elimination of emotional suffering. Buddha realized that if us humans are going to eliminate pain and suffering, we are going to have to accept that everything we have and everything we know will one day be lost. Also, according to Buddha, suffering arises when we resist the flow of life and cling to things, people, events, and ideas as permanent. Essentially, all things we have, we know we really don't. Buddha says our suffering ends with enlightenment. Another who knows human suffering all too well is Austrian psychiatrist Viktor Frankl, who survived Auschwitz. He did not have a choice to be interned in the Nazi camp. But he certainly had the freedom to pick his way of thinking and accepting the suffering, and in his drive to live, see his wife and finish his book with the scraps of paper he could muster up. These became his motivation to survive and his purpose to live. Frankel believed human life to not be complete without suffering. Frankel describes suffering as a springboard both for having a need for meaning and for finding it, which can include be- being a role model for another dealing with the same issue or using our experience of suffering as a means for changing for the better in our lives. Frankel even says man is ready to suffer on the condition that his suffering has meaning and that if there is any meaning in life at all, there must surely be meaning in suffering as well. Frankel drew an analogy between suffering and the behavior of gas. If a certain quantity of gas is pumped into an empty chamber, it will fill the chamber completely and evenly, no matter how big the chamber. Thus, suffering completely fills the human soul and conscious mind, no matter whether the suffering is great or little. The nature of suffering can also be quite ambivalent in that it can cause a degradation of one's personality or it can further personality development. Either way, as Frankel points out, you still have a choice in which way that is going to go. We experienced a collective suffering in 2020. The pandemic did not discriminate and affected everyone in some way across the globe. We did not have a choice in it happening, 
but we were given the freedom to choose how we would respond and therefore suffer. Suffering can be seen as a signal, which alerts us to the fact that we are not being aware of what we really are, nor of our purpose here on this planet. We were given the choice to elevate out of the suffering and go within, or stay in the suffering, endure victimhood, and normalize the unhappiness. Unfortunately or fortunately, human suffering will continue to exist as humans continue to need it. I hope for the day where humankind can transcend suffering while still existing in this physical world, bringing in enlightenment and awakening God's source spirit in each and every one of us here on earth. Today on Love from the Hip, it is a delight to have author, teacher, and inspirational speaker Forrest Rivers on my show. Forrest will share his wisdom from his new book, COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening. He will share the spiritual teachings which COVID has brought us amidst the despair. So stick around because you won't want to miss it. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the extreme pleasure of having author, teacher, and inspirational speaker, Forrest Rivers, on my show. Hey, Forrest, thanks for being here today. Hey, thank you, Sakura. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. <laughs> and where are you joining us from? So I live out in, in a small mountain town um, called Franklin, North Carolina. It's in the uh, Great Smoky Mountains. A very beautiful area. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. I haven't made my way out there yet, but it's on my list. Oh, you got You got to check it out. It's about an hour from Asheville. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, Forrest, when did you write your book, COVID-19 and Humanity's Spiritual Awakening, and what made you write it? Yeah, so I wrote the book um, back in March 
of 2020 when we all went on lockdown and it took me about eight months to complete it and I finished it in November and what what led me to write it was two things one when we all went on lockdown the narrative surrounding COVID was overwhelmingly but understandably negative fearful Mm. uh response and in no way shape or form do i want to downplay the very real suffering that people went through and so when that narrative was going around of fear and uncertainty and anxiety it was understandable i mean people were dying people are still dying there were um people who lost their jobs people who got very sick you know any way you looked at it right it was a time of great suffering of of darkness so what i wanted to do though is say hey you know in spite of all this negativity in spite of all this um sorrow that we're seeing is there a way in which we can use this suffering for our own uh, empowerment and our own awakening as individuals and as a collective. So I guess the main reason I wrote it was to try to inspire hope and faith in a time where that was not there in our dominant mainstream narratives. So uh, that was the main reason I wrote it. The second reason was it was sort of therapeutic. You know, mm. I... In, in the course of writing it, I, w- I, I was doing so as the pandemic was unfolding. And as we all know, and I'm sure, Sakura, as all your listeners know and experienced, it, it was a pretty wild ride, you know, <laughs> which was 2020, to, yes. to kind of say the least. And so there was a lot to talk about. And so I began looking at COVID. Uh, I tried to look at how what positives were coming out of it and how that could contribute to our own spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And it began as a series of essays. Um, For example, one chapter was about um, using, using this period to overcome our fear of death. Uh, Another chapter was how we could use this to find more meaning in our lives. Another chapter was about uh, how, this period may blossom or give birth to a renaissance in art and music and creativity. So I began looking at this from a bunch of different angles and then it wound up becoming a book. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And you got it done really fast. (laughs) That's yeah, I, I, but I but I think it was like the urgency because okay. you, usually it takes me much longer to, <laughs> to to write a book. But the urgency of it, it was unfolding so quickly. I kind of wanted to 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 write as it was happening and right. it just flowed out. And and it's and, a, it's and, a great, and, great book. And I can see how it just gives so much hope. But were you also experiencing a lot of what you explain in your book personally, and did it help you to address your own fears around COVID-19? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think anybody who um, would try to make it seem like they didn't have any fear or uncertainty or anxiety would be fooling themselves. If we really <laughs> take a step back and we reflect inwardly, undeniably, you know, there were many questions, fear, uncertainty that I was feeling at the time. No, no doubt. And, you know, I, for example, uh, you know, just remember thinking, oh gosh, I mean, who, you know, how, how sick will I get if I get it? Or will my, more importantly, will my mom and dad or my, uh, or my partner who's very susceptible uh, with an immune disorder, will, will she get real sick from it. You know, there were of course those fears and those anxieties that came up. Um, and then, you know, there, there were the other, other things on the side that came up, like 
is this is this going to be a time of mass social and political upheaval, <laughs> which clearly that period was. So there wasn't only the individual existential questions about death and sickness and mortality, but there were also questions about the stability of our society. Is this really the best course that we're going down? You know, right. but still so about all those questions, still yeah. about death, but in, in the death to the old ways, right? Death to old de- traditions de- and de- systems. Yes, the death mm-hmm. to the old ways. And in fact, um, you know, there's a there's a beautiful metaphor in Hinduism where Shiva, right, the god mm-hmm. Shiva, is seen as a destroyer, but it's not in a negative sense. It's like the destroyer of ignorance or the destroyer of old egotistical ways of clinging and moving towards a renewal of the spirit. Right. And and in a lot of ways, I think this p- last year that we had was a uh, was that yeah. was was that was gave us the ability to be able to imagine new ways of being. Right, right, absolutely. And we can't build from the same place we built the suffering, right? <laughs> so, oh gosh, it's no. Be different. And in fact, Sakura, the whole idea of like. Uh, what is it the you know returning to normal that that mm. really doesn't make sense on like a consciousness plane right you know the entire cosmos is constantly moving that's one of the laws actually that's one of the that's one of the things that quantum physics and spiritual mystics have found great convergence on is that the entire world is in constant flux is in constant movement you beautifully pointed that out in, in the monologue before we started speaking, yeah. the idea of suffering. And if we try to hold on to things and and expect them to be the same way, the same exact current, we're setting ourselves up for great for great suffering. Right. But I mean, and also I think, having survived yeah. a pandemic, I mean, we can't go back to the person we were before that. Oh gosh, no! I think we've so. all been changed. I think we've all been changed. Uh huh. In I some really, way, right? In some way, even if we're not, even if we're not out, uh, outwardly conscious about it, even if we don't acknowledge that things have that we have changed with within ourselves, that change has happened. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it could it could take it could be more subtle changes, or it could be really truly more transformative. Absolutely. And so let's get into in what ways was COVID-19 a spiritual awakening? Yeah, yeah. So for one, you know, one of the hallmarks of the spiritual path is the search for some sort of deeper meaning Mm. or purpose, seeing that we're more than just... um, cosmic accidents <laughs> if you will or like some kind of fluke right. that actually were beings here taking form in these bodies which are finite meaning they'll end but the soul is deathless that that which incarnates into the body is deathless and so when you have that you know predicament of a soul within a physical body there then comes the question, okay, so why am I here? Hmm. What's my point of being in this body? And that's where the question of meaning or life's purpose comes into play. And I truly believe, Sakura, that every single person has some kind of deeper meaning or purpose or life destiny that they're supposed to carry out over many incarnations. And so what I think COVID did is it gave us an opportunity to be able to be present enough to slow down enough to tune into what our deeper life's purpose is. Mm-hmm. So, so prior to the pandemic, right, we were all, you know, like rat race. Moving a, yeah, rat race. I wake up at seven, you know, I do whatever my routine is for 45 minutes or an hour. It might be the gym. It might be, you know, doing some pushups. It might be a quick 15 minute meditation whatever it might be. Then I'm in the car at eight. I'm in the office at nine. 
you know, I'm there till five, I come home, I eat, I'm exhausted, I go to bed and do the same thing over and over again. Right. You know, and, you know, suddenly we were home, more of us were home and we had time to kind of reflect and contemplate about our lives. What brings us purpose? What brings us meaning? What is it, you know, how can I best, how can I earn a living, but in a way that isn't purely just about money, it also has some kind of higher purpose of serving others, serving the planet, uh, you know, right. contributing to higher consciousness. What what can I do? In in the book, I talk about examples of where I saw people searching for this meaning. And, you know, one example that I think a lot of people can relate to uh, was the example of my uh beloved Cherokee elder, uh, Myrtle Driver, who I talk about in the book. And she's from the Eastern band of Cherokee Indians. Uh, she's an elder in the tribe and she's a beloved woman. And she doubled down on her efforts during the pandemic to try to keep alive the Cherokee language. She trains, uh, she trains other, uh, Cherokee speakers who then train the children in their immersion academy to keep their language alive. How wonderful. If that's not a me if that's not a meaning or purpose, uh, I don't know what is. And she's <laughs> she's um, you know, and she doubled down on her efforts during the pandemic to keep the language immersion alive. Uh another example I could think of to to talk about that sense of meaning, uh, my friend Alex, who I talk about in the book, he uh, he he decided he's tiring of his of his uh, office job. And he he wants to become a master woodworker. That's what brings him purpose. That's what gives him meaning. He's even compared it to, uh, you know, being in that space of total Zen, you know, when he when he does it, you know, so so I think one thing this pandemic did is it gave people a glimpse into searching for more meaning. Uh, and I think that's also why a lot of people aren't returning to their jobs right away. A lot right. of people aren't eager <laughs> to return because they've had a glimpse of something deeper. Maybe it was creative expression. Maybe it was gardening. Uh, maybe it was some kind of like social service that brought them joy during that time. Absolutely. Right? And then and, how did, how do you feel it played into relationships and interconnectedness? Oh gosh. I think, so that's what I was actually getting into next. I think one of the most profound things that came out of COVID was this profound was this sense of uh, 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 of a heightened awareness of how interconnected we really are. And you know, it may on the surface appear that we're just returning back to some kind of callous, egotistical living. But really, what the seeds have been planted for a greater awareness of our connection. Here's some examples. And this is you never hear about this in the mainstream press, but here's some pretty cool examples. You know, we all heard about uh, there were reports coming out of doctors and nurses coming out of retirement to help serve people and that greater awareness that they were of need during this time. Mm -hmm. You heard numerous examples of people delivering foodstuffs to people who were who were trapped in isolation during particularly the elderly during covid. You heard wonderful examples of nonprofits who doubled down on their efforts to help homeless populations who have barely gotten any kind of um, attention or adequate attention prior to COVID, at least were on the radar a little bit in the last year. Yeah. You know, you have, you have people, you have people now talking more people than ever interested in how to contribute uh, uh, aid to other countries who are struggling with the COVID epidemic right now. So it's just, you know, I think what COVID did is it broke down a lot of barriers mm -hmm. where it it's something that that touched us all, right? Sakura, it touched all of us. You know, this wasn't something that suddenly could just be passed off as, well, it's something that's happening in India. Right. Yeah, it's something it's something that has ravaged India, it's ravaged Italy, it's ravaged Brazil, it's been it's ravaged the United States, Great Britain, wherever you are in the world, it's had a substantial impact in most places. So I think with that, <clears throat> that sense of shared suffering has also become a shared awareness that we're, we're more tied than we think we are. And, 
even if we look like, I got to emphasize again, even if it looks like we're returning back to our egotistical and callous ways of our ego consciousness, meaning it's only me. I live life just for me and nothing else. The seeds have been planted for a greater evolution in consciousness. Mm -hmm. And and I really, truly, I really, truly see that. Yeah. And then also the interconnectedness with nature, right? And animals and and all being one. Well, you know, one of the more interesting things about COVID was Sakura was the idea that we were trapped indoors and we, people were trapped indoors. People were on lockdown and guess what? One of the most amazing phenomenons that came out of it was a record number of people took to the public parks, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was the city parks or whether it was the, uh, you know, state parks or national forests, people were trying to figure out how to commune with nature. You don't even have to leave your door. You don't even have to leave your house. There were, there was a really interesting piece. Uh, uh, I read, I can't remember the source, but it was talking about how more people in the last year than in years prior started a garden, right? Mm-hmm. As a way to, with their time that they had off. Yeah. I mean, so I think there was a greater awareness of our connection to nature and the healing properties that come with communing with the earth. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the most profound aspects of this awakening that COVID helped facilitate was, uh, was our fear of death more people than ever before have had to have had to question their own mortality mm-hmm. and what does death mean it was an inescapable feature of this pandemic whether we turned on the news flipped on our phones talked to our neighbors we heard about death constantly right. you know and in the mystics of every faith i don't think it's a coincidence the mystics of every faith whether we're talking about the sufis whether we're talking about zen buddhists whether we're talking about the Hindu mystics, the sadhus, you know, whatever, the Christian mystics, death is always given a, a very prominent part of spiritual practice. The idea of coming to terms with your own death, because without being able to do that, you can't live this life. life, this incarnation <laughs> fully. Absolutely. And, yeah. Wow. Well, with that, we're going to have to take a quick break, but everyone stay tuned sure. for the weekly skinny up next. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about the most important product everyone should be using on their skin to address overall skin health and aging, vitamin A. Studies have shown that a deficiency of vitamin A in the skin can cause cancer, psoriasis, eczema, and other skin conditions. Topical vitamin A is one way to normalize your skin and helps correct or even minimize your risks of having these issues. Vitamin A in the skin is destroyed by heat, light, and air so it is important to replenish it. Why not just eat it? Well, because vitamin A taken orally may not even get to the skin because it is the last organ to receive vitamins. Also, it takes vitamin A taken orally seven days to be restored while it only takes three hours topically. Vitamin A is often compared to a hormone and is a huge potentiator of stem cells, and we want these stem cells. As it turns out, everyone should be using vitamin A topically, including children, because 80% of your sun damage is done by the age of 18. It takes 10 to 20 years for sun damage to surface. So what you may think is beautifully tan skin now is actually going to be horribly aged and photo damaged skin later. Did I mention vitamin A addresses all the things we hate about aging, wrinkles, including those crow's feet, pigmentation or sunspots, redness, acne, dryness, pore size, and skin laxity. It is a powerful miracle antioxidant, which lessens your chances of your skin looking crappy or crepey when applied daily. I recommend the vitamin A products from South Africa's premier clinical product line by plastic surgeon, Dr. Des Fernandez, called Environ and love their trademark step-up program so that all ages and all skin types can get the daily topical vitamin A they need and the extra sun protection. Also, if you have had a history of skin cancer, then you should definitely start using topical vitamin A daily because it means you are severely deficient. If you are unsure which vitamin A product might be right for you, contact me at sakuraskinandmind.com so that I may assist you. 
Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. To Love from the Hip, I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having author, teacher, and inspirational speaker, Forrest Rivers, on my show. So, Forrest, you touch on this in your book, but why do you think there was so much duality and also continues to be due to COVID? Oh, gosh, that's a great, great question. You know, I've been giving all these... I've been on a little like radio podcast tour and no one has asked me that question. Uh Why is there so much? It's a wonderful question. Why is (laughs) there so much duality, especially surrounding COVID? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, I mean, I guess the simple answer to that uh, is the powers that be thrive off of division. The more that they can keep us divided and by powers that be, I mean, our politicians, are it really I'm referring to our politicians and our and our the media elites, not you, Sakura, where you where you're doing is fantastic. Independent <laughs> media, these uplifting channels or media. I mean the the mainstream media, the CNNs of the world, the Fox Newses of the world, that that stuff, you know, they're they're they thrive off of division because it sells. Mm. It sells lots of money. So I think we take our cues from that propaganda. And I think, you know, to answer that question simply, a lot of the duality has been pushed by sensationalized mainstream media reporting. Yeah. Now, the deeper question, though, is, uh, I mean, the deeper answer, excuse me, is, is that is a more philosophical one. And that is that in American society, uh, really, you could say more in Western society, we tend to have more black and white thinking. And again, I don't mean black and white in terms of race, you know, I mean, black and white, like thinking like it's this or that you're for something or you're against something you're in favor of masks or you're against masks. You're in favor of the vaccine or you're against the vaccine. You're, you know, COVID was in, you know, the most fearful thing that's ever hit humanity or COVID didn't exist at all. You know, it's, uh, you know, think about the extremes that we've been in. There's this, there's this way that we think in the West here that is very dualistic. We get trapped in very dualistic thinking, this or that, black or white, blah, 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 blah. When the truth is that all seeming uh, polarities actually unfold upon upon each other in the end. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that many of the Eastern religions emphasize that fact that uh non-duality uh beyond duality the idea that it's not that simple good becomes bad bad becomes good you can't really know winter and let the you know Mm. you can't really appreciate winter unless you appreciate summer you can't uh you can't really rise into the depths of ascend into the depths of joy without knowing what sorrow was and working through that sorrow, you know, the idea that, that all the dualities unfold upon each other in the end and actually are interrelated and you can't know one without the other. But in the West, we like to cling to this dualistic notions that end up producing more extreme views. Does that make sense? And more more division, right? And more division. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, look at the way that we talk about, um, we just, I don't want to delve too deep into this, but look at just the way that, that our politics unfolded in the last year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. right? Oh my gosh. And look at the way that our, our, we talked about the whole, the very serious, admittedly serious issues regarding race Mm -hmm. that was even filled with great division, you know, because we have a tendency to delve into dualistic, uh, thinking. And I think when you're able to move beyond duality, you're able to find a point of balance. You're able to see that 
both extremes fold in each other in the end, it's kind of like the yin and the yang, you know, that beautiful, beautiful symbol in ancient Chinese thought that, you know, has been a heavy influence in Taoist thinking. Mm -hmm. And that you need the dark with the light. Yeah. So it feels a little bit like you had mentioned this earlier that we're already reverting back, right? And forgetting. So what will it take for humankind to not have to suffer to evolve? Oh, man, what a wonderful question. Thanks. So one way I think, well, first of all, let me say this. I think suffering will always be an aspect of the human condition. I don't really see a time where suffering is just suddenly gone. I think suffering has uh can have a a serious purpose and suffering can be bared if it has meaning and if we can find the meaning so i guess the first thing i'd say is i'm not sure if suffering itself will ever go away i think it's a fact of life but certainly there's a difference between suffering in a general human condition sense and self-inflicted suffering how about that Mm -hmm. you know and i think the suffering that humanity Humanity goes through a lot of unnecessary or self-inflicted suffering. Uh, a wonderful example of that on a collective level is something like climate change. This, right. this didn't need to have to happen. We didn't have to ha- we didn't have to, you know, burn fossil fuels, uh, you know, needlessly and then damage our environment. You know, we don't, you know. So I think to answer your question, how, how can we mitigate the worst aspects of suffering, which is the more self-inflicted kind. Mm -hmm. Well, the answer to that, I think, Sakura, is that we have to find uh, uh, more balance in our lives. And the way that we do that is we have to become more mindful beings. Simply put, we saw so much mindlessness during the opposite of mindfulness during this last year. We also saw a lot of compassion And we also saw a lot of the seeds of awakening being planted, but we need to become more mindful beings. And I think practices, and I would encourage this to all your listeners, practices like meditation are vital for uh, becoming more aware and mindful beings. Which brings Uh, me to my next question, sorry, which is, so it it sounds like we we will never get rid of suffering, but we can change our view and perspective of it. And we can right. we can change our view and perspective on it and, and how it the level us. of awareness that we're meeting it with. Right. And so with that, and even you had alluded to this in your book about St. Baba and believing, you know, being in service to others and finding purpose in that way is enlightenment, a path to enlightenment itself. And that even Buddha says there's no suffering with enlightenment. And so is that also just a path of Um, elevating our consciousness, would you say? Yeah. So you're asking, is suffering something that helps us if we're able to meet it with awareness? Is that something that propels our If it propels us, but then also do we change our perspective once we start to, like you said, meditate, right? Yeah. And raise our consciousness. Yes, absolutely. I think when we start to meditate, we start to spend more time in nature. We We start to quiet our minds more. And open our hearts, which is what meditation practice ideally does. Yeah. Once we can do that, then when 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 moments of suffering come, we completely adjust our perspective of it. It doesn't mean it's any less painful. It doesn't mean the events that we face are are easy by any means. It just means that we're able to adjust our perspective to see that suffering as something that will make us a little bit more wiser a little bit more compassionate and push us along the path of awakening. So yes, I think practices like meditation help us adopt a constructive perspective in which to meet our suffering. Yeah, that's wonderful. So I want to ask you, do you believe our soul signs up for everything we face in our lifetime? Oh, what a wonderful question. Absolutely. You know, people will say to me, well, Forrest, how do you, have evidence of this, you know, how do we empirically show this, you know, like, you know, how do we empirically show that, you know, 
every soul signed up for this. It's just something I, I believe within myself through faith, through the time I've spent in meditation, deep prayer. I feel that, that everything that happens in this universe is not by mistake. Everything has some kind of deeper purpose, uh, um, you know, some kind of deeper meaning. And I truly believe that everybody who is here at this moment and experienced what happened this last year, we all signed up for this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it affects every single soul existing on this earth. So, I mean, what do you think was the grand purpose of all of that? I mean, the only way I can conceive of the grand, the only grand purpose I can conceive is that we needed an event that would have such, that would, that would facilitate a massive shift in consciousness from the ego state to the spirit state. And this, I think, had, had that ability to do that. You know, I, I think so many signed up for it because we needed this kind of event to, to shake us up on a global level. Right. And the jury is still out on whether or not that completely and absolutely happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting. I was, <laughs> I was on a, I was on another radio show recently and the host who shall go unnamed right now, the host was kind of like, you know, you know, friendly, but he was kind of pushing back a little kind of hard at my entire argument that we've had an awakening. And he was saying, well, you know, I would argue that we're, we're even more greedy and we're going to be even more, uh, hard-headed about the need to change yeah. our ways than ever before. And my response kind of was to say, well, it depends on where you're, it depends on where you're standing, right? Mm. If you're, if you're standing in this moment now, yeah, it, it doesn't look so great. Some of the things that we've seen. However, if you're able to take a, a wider perspective and you're able to take a few steps back and look at things a little bit more cosmically, you can see that we all Right, we all experienced something really profound over the last year, even if we're not willing to admit it, if we're right. not there yet to admit it. And you can see that there were seeds planted. Mm. So we may not see the effects of COVID's uh, shift on our consciousness for 10, 15, 20 years from now. And it, it very well might be, Sakura, that COVID is just one of four or five major events. Right. That will contribute to our to our consciousness shift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do believe for the record, there'll be other events that come that'll have the same type of collective uh, impact that COVID had. I agree. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, with that, we're going to take another break. But everyone stay tuned sure. for more Love from the Hip. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. 
Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us, today I have the great pleasure of having author, teacher, and inspirational speaker, Forrest Rivers, on my show. So, Forrest, there are so many fantastic nuggets in your book. But I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about let go, let God, and to be, to love. Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest lessons that we got from COVID was this idea that we need to learn to let go and learn to have faith in God, the one, the Tao, Brahman, whatever term you're comfortable using to explain that underlying transcendent reality that is within us, you know, and that we're all part of. And, you know, the fact that COVID taught us a lot about the need to surrender. And that's the whole idea in the book when I talk about let go, let God. Um, you know, we it happened, right? I think you said it earlier too, right, Sakura? It happened. Right. This crazy event happened. We were all back last March trying to figure out what to make of this thing. How do we respond? You know, uh, it seemingly came out of left field to the point where many people didn't believe it at all. that this was actually happening. It was so it took us by such a uh, it took us by totally off guard. And this was an opportunity to practice surrender. Well, this is how it is now. I had an old meditation teacher who used to say that phrase. This is how it is now, hmm. which is another way of saying. This is what's happening in the moment. All you can really do is let go, let God, and be present with what is. And so I think when I talk about that, I really am talking about surrender and having faith in that higher power, however you conceive of it. Yeah, and trusting, right? And COVID taught us a lot about that. And to be and to love is, when, when I use that, I have a chapter in the book called To Be and to Love. And my meaning, what I mean there is to say, you know, with all the fear that was happening during COVID and all the uncertainty and all the anxiety, we had two choices. We could give into that fear, that anxiety. And by the way, it's not just COVID. We always have this choice with anything to give into the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty, or we can simply open our hearts. We can love and we can simply be in the moment and be present and we, we might realize that, yes, that uncertainty, that fear, that anxiety is there, but we can transcend it and find joy and find levity and find balance. Uh, and, and, and I also wanted to end the book with the idea that the most important things in this world is to love. And I hope that COVID taught us that, that there's nothing more powerful. There's not an energy or a vibration in the universe that is more powerful and more profound than love. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can really tune into that love within yourself is to become fully present in the moment. And because if you're not present and your mind is every which way is not here, you know, you're, you're missing on, you're missing out on something that is vibrating within you always. And that's right. love. And I thought that that was a nice hopeful way to end the book to talk about, you know, let go, have faith. And when you let go and have faith, you can finally be present. And when you're present, you can tune into the higher vibrations of love. And it's all so true. I love that. <laughs> Speaking of love. So yeah. I have love to at the fun <laughs> <of happy>. yeah. <laughs> What was the catalyst for your own personal spiritual journey? Yeah. So, um, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it, you know, throughout most of my, uh, actually, not most, my entire 20s, the entire decade, plus some of my teens. Um, I had a, I, I can say it now, I had a severe drinking problem. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it, it was 
definitely bad alcohol abuse. Um, you know, in, you know, I wasn't a good version of myself. Let's just say that like I was not a positive version of myself. It was, it was my heavy drinking stemmed from my own insecurities and my own, um, uh, sense of lack of self-worth to put it, put it that way. And so I began to find my sense of self-worth in nature. Um, I took a really beautiful and profound trip to Hawaii, uh, Maui, the Island of Maui back in, this would have been when I was 30 years old. So about nine years ago, I had a really profound trip out there. I was out there for about 10 days and the healing aspects of nature so moved my soul that it, it made me aware of the greater reality. There's something bigger than just myself and my own sense of suffering. So from there, yeah, I would say that if I had to pinpoint my awakening, it was in, on the island of Maui and nature moved me to that point. That's wonderful. So I have to ask you really quickly, where do you hope to grow from here? Oh gosh. I mean, my, my hope, uh, my hope moving forward, um, I want to bring, I want to, where the rest of my life, I want to bring people to nature, hmm. um, some kind of like a uh, nature refuge center where people who have been through suffering can come and heal and incorporate meditation, um, and, and nature healing. So a nature healing center, uh, is my ultimate goal in life. I think that's how I can give back. Um, and I want to, um, you know, go on, continue doing a lot of speaking and writing on, on inspirational themes. Well, wonderful. <laughs> and I'm going to check out your center when it's built. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I hope so. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'll let you know. Great. So how can my listeners learn more about you and your books, Forrest? Yeah. So uh, you, you can find me on uh, uh, www.forestrivers.com, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. And I have a contact form on there and you can reach me through there. And the book itself is available on Amazon, uh, both in paperback and in Kindle edition. You can also find it on Barnes and Noble. And um, you can also contact me on Facebook. Well, great. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Forrest, for being here today and sharing the wonderful wisdom of your book. Oh, absolutely. I was just going to say real quick, too, I, I will have a YouTube channel up and running in the next couple of weeks too, called one soul evolution as well. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much. You, it's been a pleasure to be on this show. Thank you for us. And thank you to Eric, my amazing producer, you, the listener, KKNW, KBKW and Cape town zone radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakura at love from the and tune in next Wednesday for another episode of love from the hip presents go beyond the veil. Stay kind out there, stay true to you, and don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.